Jessica, I've got to talk to you. Uh, okay. I think I'm in love. What? I think I've, I think I know my kind and I think I've fallen in love. Isn't it wonderful? What? What are you talking about? You're not being very supportive. I expected someone named Jessica to be far more supportive of me having fallen in love. <laughs> How can I be supportive of this? We're married. There you go again. Not supporting me. I've fallen in love and you're just not. Ugh. What kind of sister are you? <laughs> Oh, I'm so done doing the sketches. I'm so done doing the comedy thing. I'm just like, I don't want to do it no more. You've totally worn me out. I was the one who was all excited to do them. It's like, oh, this sets us apart from other similar podcasts. It's great. I love the sketches. No, you don't. Yes, I do. Sure I do. <laughs> You've said you hate them and we do them. And then like right then in the episode, you're like, that was the worst one ever. And I'm like, <laughs> maybe she's right. <laughs> well, 2020 is almost here. So maybe we'll just stop doing it. We need some other form of opening the show. <laughs> Man, I started thinking about it. And I was like, maybe we should start bringing guests on. I saw the tweets from Danosaurus and mm-hmm. I was like, Man, we need to get some opinions from people who know the technical aspects oh, right. of music. Because did you have all those notes that he left? I do not, but I was like, I didn't even notice that the songs were in a different key in the covers. I'm just like, yeah, they sound different because they're not Reliant K. Right, for I Celebrate the Day, Dan Soros left us a whole bunch of very complex tweets about the uh, tuning of all the different versions that we played. And I was like, yep, this is something we definitely can't talk about. <laughs> Let's see. Almost so Danosaurus says almost every version of I Celebrate you played on the show is in a slightly different tuning or key. Original is D, Canton Show is played in E, Winter Wonder Slam is played in E sharp D minor, and I think I got sharp and minor right. Which one's the B and which one's the hashtag? <laughs> let's pretend I, I don't know. Let's pretend I got it right. The B sharps. Like, uh, like you know, the Homer Simpson uh, barbershop quartet. I wish there was some sort of, like, you know, network of information where I could look up <laughs> what's the sharp symbol and what's the other one. Anyway. Um, yeah. And Apologies then, for the energy tonight. Yes, Jessica's sick tonight, so I'm just kind of... Okay, oh, you know what's funny, though? So you pr- if anyone's noticed on Twitter, we were supposed to record on Sunday. We w- sent the call out because we're doing Seventeen Magazine this week. I don't even think we said yet. We're doing Seventeen Magazine this week. And I tweeted last week, hey, if you got covers, because there aren't a lot of covers, if you have thoughts about the song, send them our way. And we're recording on Sunday. Well, now it's Tuesday. <laughs> and we're finally recording because Jessica got the flu or something. And but now we're recording a Seventeen Magazine on the 17th. On the, yes, so we're recording <laughs> on the 17th. So if we somehow magically get this edited and up the same night, which I doubt, <laughs> then, then this is our quickest turnaround. But I think after we're done recording, I'm going to bed. Same. <laughs> and then, you're definitely going to bed. <laughs> but yes, 
We're talking about Seventeen Magazine this week, and we do have voicemails uh, going back to two weeks ago, and then we have, I think, one newer voicemail, but let's take a look. So last week we skipped voicemails, but we have this voicemail from Tim in Portland, and this is, so this voicemail actually goes back to December 3rd. We actually had this one for a while, so sorry, Tim, we're just getting to it now, but here's this voicemail. (laughs) Hey guys, uh, this is Timothy Sullivan from Portland, Oregon. Uh, long time, uh, Reliant K fan. Um, I was like six in, uh, year 2000 when my sister had a, uh, burned, um, copy of Reliant K from a friend at church. Uh, so that's the extent of my history. Um, with Reliant K, and I've been a fan ever since. Uh, so I'm listening to the Don't Blink podcast, and um, the video with the two kids is one that I took uh, of my uh, son Lucas and my daughter Amelia. So pretty excited that you guys found that video that I put together. Digging what you guys are doing so far. I mean, I would have called earlier. I've been listening to your podcast for about a month and a half since my brother sent it to me, but I I pretty much want to call you guys every five minutes of your podcast. So, and I, I still have like two or three months worth of podcasts to catch up on. So, uh, keep it up. Thanks, guys. We have never heard from somebody who, like, we, we've we gone over one of their videos. Yeah, so that was a first. Yeah. And there were, like, oh, there was, do you remember there was a really amazing cover, my favorite cover for Get Not Slow Down? It was by a YouTuber called Catastrophe Eyes. Yes. She took the video down. Oh, no. Because I was going to repost it again, and, like, it was gone. And I'm like, what happened? What happened? Oh, no. And then I looked, and apparently she, like, set all her videos to private, except for one, like, My Chemical Romance cover. That happens sometimes. But part of me was wondering, because I had this, like, what now I feel like is a stupid idea. But I thought about this, and it couldn't be for this reason. Sorry, Tim, we'll get back to your voicemail in a second. I left comments on everyone from Forget the Forget and Not Slow Down podcast, like, hey, we talked about your song on the podcast, we really love it, right? And I didn't get any replies from anybody, especially because some of the videos are, like, 10 years old. Yeah, whatever, yeah. You know, so I'm not really expecting people to log in and see those, but just in case, maybe people, well, other people will find those comments on those videos and be like, oh, what's Sadie Hawkins pod? And then I'm like, did Catastrophe Eyes basically delete her page because she didn't want the attention of a Reliant K podcast. And I'm like, maybe, but no. I don't think so. I don't think so. I felt really bad, but luckily... Not if, like, all the videos were down or whatever, except for one. Right. But luckily I did rip that. Sorry, I closed my phone while we're talking, but I did... Because I downloaded... I I saved most of the tracks that I download when we edit the podcast. So I don't have the video, but I have the audio from that song. Oh, but speaking of burning things onto blank CDs, oh yeah, Danny discovered oh, yeah. <laughs> um, one of my Reli- best of Reliant K mixes from CDRs. what was it, two thousand nine or something? Two thousand nine, yeah. We were going through. I was going through a giant CD wallet of all our like DVRs and DVDRs and CDRs for something else mm-hmm. that we're doing next week on the final pod of Christmas, the final of the four pods of Christmas. 
And while I was looking through that, I found that CDR, and we'll have to do a special episode on it. Jessica's, what Jessica thought the best Reliant K songs were in 2009. That's not just top of the show business. No, I didn't, I didn't keep it out. I felt like we need, uh, we need a clear field to talk about that. I'm pretty sure there's one of those from like 2004 as well. I don't think, I didn't find that though. I don't know where it is, but I'm pretty sure I did. I'll, I'll, I'll have to look for that one. But anyway, thank you very much, Tim, for contacting us. And I'm really glad that, you know, that's, I mean, I'd be excited if someone found my video on some random crappy podcast (laughs) about a band that I like. So that's really cool. And then um, I was just going to mention, but I guess I won't play the the voicemail because I just think it's, I think it's funny. And you know what I'm going to talk about. I do know what you're going to talk about. So Tim left like three other voicemails. And they're all, you know, just like, he's just like filling in the blanks of information. Like at one point he mentioned the, uh, the Concord B opening oh, to yeah. forget and not slow down. He's like, he's like, it's on my physical CD. And so oh. I'm like, okay, well, it's not on. We bought a recently, we bought two yeah. copies. We bought the Japanese copy and just a regular huh. copy that we found in a store. And it doesn't have the next day stop Concord B. Well, now we need to do more like sleuthing. I know. And why that is. Find out what pressing has that opening. Oh, and then and then on December 6th, he left a voicemail where he was listening to What Have You Been Doing Lately? And he's like, I'll just paraphrase here. I don't, he's like, I've been, I'm listening to the What Have You Been Doing Lately podcast, and you guys are starting to side with... Seems like you guys are siding with Justin and Vanessa, and it <laughs> seems like you guys are sinners, and I can't listen to a podcast that's hosted by sinners. Well, uh, Justin, <laughs> Tim played it so down the line that I was like was that a joke I couldn't tell and I should play the audio but I'm thinking like maybe we do it as like a patreon because we're hoping by January 1st to have our patreon finally going so yeah just take my word for it his voicemail was like so down the line I was like I hope I think he's joking I can't tell is he joking I was like did he is he actually upset because here's the thing you and me and this isn't, you know, I actually see this in most of the most of the people on our, not everyone, but a lot of the people that I see online around Relying K and MXPX. We were raised in conservative Christian backgrounds. Your parents are actually a little bit more socially liberal mm-hmm. than my parents were growing up. But you and I are way more socially liberal now yes. <laughs> than our parents yes. know, yes. right? And because Reliant K is a Christian band, we're like, well, what's our, we don't really, I know who our fans that interact with us, our listeners, I don't want to call them fans, our listeners who interact with us pretty regularly, I seem to have a good sense of like what their sense of humor is and who they are as people. But when it comes to like the larger Reliant K fan base, I'm like, I don't know what that person is in general, you know? So because because I see all kinds of different types of people politically and socially when I like look at Instagram on Reliant K stuff. So I'm like, I think it's a lot of different people. So we were sort of both like cautious for a while. Like, are we going to get people who are kind of upset maybe at our God episode or stuff like that? Right, or, right. You know, I was like, what's so I was kind of guarded and ready for that sort of thing. And when Tim made this joke, and he was just so deadpan, <laughs> joking, he was joking, he was joking, but it just so deadpan down the middle, I was like, I can't tell. So eventually I like DM'd him, and I'm like, hey, I heard your voice, so I wanted to play it cool and be like, just in case, like, 
just respectful if he was serious, which I hoped he wasn't and didn't think he was, but then, like, cool and aloof if he was joking. And he's like, oh, no, I was totally kidding. <laughs> and I was like, oh, thank God. Thank goodness. Uh, and then I talked to him a bunch, and it reminded me, because I totally get what, what sort of happened. He's like, no, I'm really sarcastic. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, you know, he's like, whatever. I didn't mean to make you think it might have been real. And I was like, it reminds me of something that happened recently with me. Uh-huh. Is after the MXPX show in Anaheim a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah. I had this great idea. I had this fantastic, funny idea. Oh, Danny. I think, I still think it's funny where I went on the the MXPX Facebook group and I was like, hey, everyone, something really crazy happened at the Anaheim show last night. They forgot to play punk rock show and they left the stage and everyone got really mad and started yelling out their names in anger and they came back out and they must have been embarrassed because they played a couple other songs first and acted like they meant to play punk rock show the whole time. I'm jokingly like, I don't know what an encore is. Everybody on the MXPX message board lost their minds because <laughs> they all thought I was serious. Except for the people who are my (laughs) friends on there, like Andrew from Magnified Pod and Alex Retro and like, and Mike Herrera got it. (laughs) Like he he got it. He knew it was a joke. He liked it. And then it took it one step further where I posted to my MXPX memes account, pretending that I didn't know who that guy was, me. Saying there's some crazy person here <laughs> spreading lies about MXPX, and more people on there didn't know I was joking or that I was talking about myself. So Tim, totally get it, totally understand the sarcastic sense of humor. <laughs> That's what I've been doing lately. So we're talking about what have you been doing lately from Anatomy of Tongue in Cheek. No, we're talking about Seventeen, 17 magazine. magazine. How is it you're the one who has the flu and I'm the one who's acting like I'm in a fever dream? I don't know. <laughs> so if you're not familiar, Seventeen Magazine is an American publication targeted to teens, <laughs> particularly 13 to 19-year-old females. It began as a publication... Shouldn't it only be aimed at 17-year-olds? <laughs> right? Geared towards... They had to pick that. They like named it after the, the median, although I guess yeah. maybe that'd be 15. I don't know. Right. Math is not my strong suit. Um... Uh, it began as a publication geared towards inspiring girls to become model workers and citizens. Soon after its debut, <laughs> Seventeen took a more fashion and romance-oriented approach while promoting self-confidence in young women. This is almost, you know, this song is kind of tangential to uh, Nancy Drew. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of, I definitely thought of these songs, this song and Nancy Drew as being sort of, you know... Same similar, album. So. Same album. Yeah. And they're just both kind of like things you generally associate with like teen girl experience. They're my two favorite songs I'm, off yes. that album. <laughs> I know I'm, conf- I'm, I'm, I'm giving into gender norms here, but that's the sense. You know what I mean? It's like they're both, he's talking to his sister and she's reading Seventeen Magazine. And the Nancy Drew book that I told that story about when I saw Ryan K in 2000. And Matt Thiessen's introduction to Nancy Drew was like, I was walking past the coffee table and my sister had a book on the table and it was Nancy Drew. And I was like, hey, who's that on the cover of that book? So this, so wait a second. Um, This is just cracking in my brain right now. Seventeen Magazine is about his sister Jessica's copy of Seventeen Magazine. And Nancy Drew was inspired 
by the same sister's copy Do of Nancy Drew. Do we know it's the same sister? Does he have more than one sister? I have no idea. I don't know. I've never... I don't really know a lot about the Thiessen family tree. <laughs> I know there's a sister named Jessica, and I know there's a dad who sings like this. So <laughs> Sarah is a lion. Liar daughter, sorry. They could just had me do and it. And an uncle who paints. And That's right, an uncle who paints, yeah. That's the only way we know about the Thiessen's out there is whether or not they join in on the artistic experience. <laughs> um... So the magazine debuted in September of 1944. I didn't know it went back that far. I didn't know it was that old. So that's pretty cool. I, Danny's just looking at me. <laughs> I'm just so disappointed you didn't know that. <laughs> um, by the way, that whirring, if you can hear it, is Danny's computer. <sighs> I don't know why, but it sounds like it's like about to blow up. Well, it's it's my new computer, and yeah, it's very loud. It's just so loud. I'll... <laughs> And it's right by the microphone. I was trying to go to my old computer, which is, for some reason, quieter. <laughs> but then it was, like, update in progress. I'm like, I don't need you to update. You're my old computer. <laughs> Sylvia Plath evidently submitted nearly 50 pieces to Seventeen magazine before her short story, And Summer Will Not Come Again, was published in the August 1950 issue. Mm. Isn't that interesting? I was like, oh, wow. Sylvia Plath is writing for Seventeen magazine. That seems so weird. <laughs> that is kind of weird. I think like a lot of writers. I think magazines were a legitimate source yeah. of literature and stuff. I mean, a little Seventeen magazine you don't think is a literary magazine. Yeah, that's all I got of the magazine itself. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> I did do a deep dive on this. Not a lot comes up. On the song. On the song. Yeah, the there Ryan aren't a K lot song, of covers. Yeah. And we did get one cover when we requested. Uh, right. But yeah, there isn't a ton of stuff online about this. I do have a couple things. Okay. All right. So according to kisstheguy.com, a misheard lyric site apparently, uh, talk to my sister late last night has been misheard as slept with my sister late last night. What? <laughs> Talk to no, that's weird. It is, yep. I'm just telling you what kisstheguy.com had to say. Well, a lot of us sleep with our siblings. Like, we sleep next to them. We, like, share bedrooms. Um, that's disturbing. Uh, this song has 164 beats per minute. Same as <laughs> The Reason by Hoobastank, Not Listening by Papa Roach, and Time Bomb by Rancid. Oh, nice. So if any of those are on your run mix, consider adding 17 Magazine. So maybe there's a way to turn this into a ska punk jam. <laughs> since it's the same beats per minute as Time Bomb. Now, since the deep dive did not you know, come up with a lot of material for us this week. I do have some stuff that we can get into later after we talk about the song. Okay. Then let's talk about the song, because I can't wait to find out what those things are. <laughs> um, so one thing to talk about is, we haven't really discussed this, but um, there are these two pre-release versions of the self-titled album that are listed on Discogs. They're both really rare, one of them, RK's Too Sick, on YouTube, talked about. And that's where yeah. he ended up putting the Ed Sullivan cover on YouTube. And I think that was, like, the promotional... He he doesn't exactly say this, but my assumption when he showed it and talked about it... And he was talking about it kind of off the cuff. And I looked at it, and I'm like, that's probably, like, the promotional copy 
that was like sent to you know reviewers and radio stations and stuff like that there's that version and then there's also a cdr version in 1999 like no not no specific date but 1999 so a year at least up to a year before the album came out the track listing is all out of order it says it's a cdr partially mixed promo it's got k car hello mcfly Marilyn Manson ain't my girlfriend. And then this is where it gets interesting. 17 Magazine alternate version, which Ooh. unfortunately we can't hear today because oh, nobody has put this version of the album online that I can find. Then there's and the, the, uh, Wake Up Call, Just Fine, which that's a tr- track I've never heard of, no. right? Softer to Me alternate version, Charles in Charge, Staple, Staple, not staples, but huh. staple. And I had I, I leaned in closer to the screen cap of the of the the one image of this promotional just to make sure that that wasn't a Discogs mistake, but it really does say staple. Nancy Drew, Balloon Ride, When You're Around, Ed Sullivan, which we talked about, and Heavy Metal, something called hmm. Heavy Metal. Which I want to hear that. I know. I'm assuming since it's the last track that maybe it's like just sort of a joke Heavy Metal thing. That's my assumption. Total assumption. And then in October 19th, 2019, and, uh, a, a Discogs user named Mm-hmm said, should probably, be, should probably be merged with the main self-titled listings since it's a promo for that album. But it has different stuff on it. I know. Well, it should not be merged. Yeah. Well, it's listed as a totally separate album. Oh, and then On Discogs, you can have an album and then multiple ver- separate oh, versions okay. under that. So yeah, I would love to be able to hear Seventeen Magazine alternate version, and I'm wondering who labeled it alternate version, because that's not in the one picture. It doesn't say alternate version. It just says, oh wait, I don't no, never mind. <laughs> it doesn't say that. Um, yeah, so somewhere out there, it's a different version apparently of Seventeen Magazine. But then again, this says partially mixed. Oh, so I I'm like, hear that. Yeah, I'm like, are they actually different instrumentation? Is it actually a different t- studio take? Is it a yeah, demo? Or yeah. is it the same song from the album, but mixed differently? Or yeah. was an instrument missing or this an extra instrument done, to cut? This isn't on All Work, No Play, right? Uh, no, it's not. No. Yeah. So there's that. And if, if anyone out there has this... Apparently, it sold October 15th for $50. I can't believe we were doing the podcast when this went up. Oh, man. That sucks. I would have paid 50 bucks for this, honestly. Yeah. I think we'd have to. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if it ever goes up again, we'll, we'll hopefully be able to get a copy. Or whoever bought it, please send us those MP3s. Yes. Burned off of your blank CD. <laughs> Ripped off of your blank CD. I wonder if heavy metal is that thing at the end of uh, K-Car. You know, there's like, like oh. five minutes of silence after K-Car and then like a little thing. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever... I have to go listen to it because I don't think I've ever recalled yeah, that there's I think a hidden track. I, I on think the I've first mentioned album. this before, and you you've been like, I don't know what you're talking about. I think, and I think we talked about another episode where uh, I was like, yeah, maybe because of all the pre-gap tracks. Yeah, all the pre-gap tracks that uh, Reliant K does on their CDs, which I found out there's one on air for free. I was like, oh, oh man, and it's like 2016. Who's going looking for a pre-gap? <laughs> Zero track on a CD. I was like, okay. Anyway, 
there was a point where I, when I was like in middle school in my grunge phase, I like I always looked for hidden tracks. <laughs> so honestly, but then by the time I got into my pop punk ska phase, which is the phase I'm still in <laughs> and have been in for the last 25 years or whatever, however old I am, 20 years. You just made tw- yourself way older. I made myself way older. I think it's more like 20 years. Uh, at that point, I was really bad at looking for hidden tracks. Uh, like even just the simplest thing going to the end of the CD and looking if there's a hidden track, never good at it. So I don't think I, you know what, this is absolutely true because I remember it was actually Johnny, my friend Johnny in high school, who told me about the Skittles and Combos song. Mm. He's like, we got to bring Skittles and Combos to the Reliant K show tonight. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, at the end of the CD, and I think it would be Anatomy. He's like, at the end of the CD, there's a hidden track that you got to bring Skittles and Combos and throw it at them in the show. I'm like, oh. I didn't notice this track. I was just really bad. Nothing to rely on K, just all bands. I was bad at looking for hidden tracks. Um, But I just realized someday we're going to have to eat Skittles and combos as research for that hidden track for when we do the Skittles and combos episode. (laughs) And I hate Skittles and I hate combos. A whole Skittles and combos episode? Uh, What are combos? What are they're like pretzel bites? Oh, with, I don't think I've ever with, had one with a chalky. Uh, oh no, you know Ooh. what? It's with a chalky cheese or meat substance in the middle. Ew, what? It's like a like a. It's like a. I don't know how else to describe it. They're pretzel like they're like imagine ima- star- Okay, okay, here we go. Okay, hold on, hold on. If you've never seen a combo, imagine a hot dog and a what do you call those little the little hot dogs in a bun. No, pigs what do you, in a blanket? Pigs in a blanket. Imagine a pig in a blanket. Okay. Okay. Now imagine. Is it like a Ritz Bits? Ritz Bits. What's a Ritz Bits? Like a cracker <laughs> with with cheese or peanut butter in the center. No, because it's because uh, imagine a pig in a blanket, but All instead right. of instead of you know how it's three sixty of ham of 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 bun or whatever. Uh huh. Imagine that that three hundred and sixty degrees is pretzel. I see. And but now imagine that the hot dog in the middle is like a chalky cheese substance. Ah, I gotcha. And now imagine that you can make that chalky cheese substance like pepperoni flavor instead. Right. Okay. And, gotcha. And I just realized because you and me are trying to go vegan recently, that's yeah. a big development. <laughs> We're gonna have to break it for combos. <laughs> I mean, the, do I have to? <laughs> I'll do Because I'm also gluten-free, so... Right. I don't think I can have a combo so anyway. So I think when we do the Skittles and Combos episode, it's just going to be me eating Skittles and Combos <laughs> while we're talking with my mouth full. That'll be the bit. That's the sketch for that day. Yeah. So... Seventeen Magazine. Seventeen Magazine. So yeah, Heavy Metal could be the hidden track. We'll, I'll, we'll listen to that. But uh, you know what we could listen to it on? We could listen to it on our vinyl. That's right. Because... We did not ever own a vinyl copy of the self-titled album, and then I surprised Jessica on her birthday with it. Mm-hmm. She's been getting a lot of Reliant K gifts recently, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I'm like, I can write all this <laughs> off on our taxes. <laughs> but uh, Collide Records, who we discovered on our Halloween Blues episode, the same day that I bought the uh, Friday the 13th 7-inch yeah. And I bought our gold copy of Two Lefts Don't Make a Right. I also bought, they had copies of the self-titled uh, vinyl record. Nice. Yeah. And I was like, they were like $40. And I was like, that's pretty steep. But it was your birthday. <laughs> However, I looked and everywhere else they started at $60. Mm. Used. 
So like it's probably one of the last places in the world you will ever be able to buy a new copy of the self-titled How do you vinyl. know it's not bootleg? It's numbered. It's hand-numbered. <laughs> we're really high in the 2000... Because it's 2,000 hand-numbered yeah. copies. I yeah. think we're, so we're really close to 2,000. Nice. So Collide Records, get on it if you want a somewhat reasonably priced copy of the vinyl. But we did listen to Seventeen Magazine. Yeah, it sounds like the vocals are mixed a little higher. Like, I don't know. It's a little more It could just be the warmness of the vinyl. That could be. Right. And I've noticed, actually, with a lot of our Reliant K vinyl, which we don't have all of it. We have, like, Air for Free. Air for Free sounds amazing. Yeah. But I noticed on the Two Lefts vinyl, I think his his vocals sound a little little pitched up, Mm -hmm. a little higher. And I was wondering, is that our record player or is that like a, like a mastering yeah. sort of decision? Because it sounded like it was pitched up for Seventeen Magazine. Right. So I don't know. I don't know enough about vinyl science to uh, <laughs> to tell you what, how, how that could be happening. I guess if we take it to someone else's record player, we could see if it sounds the same. Yeah, we have another record player kicking around somewhere. Just, uh, I think it's in the storage unit. Yeah, that's true. So anyway, Seventeen Magazine. So I have always loved this song. I've mentioned before that Anatomy was the first Reliant K album I heard, but the self-titled was the first one I owned. And Two Lefts was already out at this time, but the store that I went to only had the self-titled album. Okay. And so that's the one I bought. And I definitely remember I went to Virgin Megastore in Orlando. Nice. And I remember holding it in my hands and reading the back and being like, all right, none of these sounded like Sadie Hawkins Dance was, of course, the song that I really like grasped onto and was like, oh, my gosh, I love this. And I was like, none of these sound seem like they're probably that song, but I'm going to get it anyway because I'm reading the back and I'm like, all right, track one, Hello McFly. Yes, I love Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. This is a must. And I'm like looking back down and I'm like, Charles in charge. All right, I never watched that show, but I love the <laughs> 80s and I'm into it. Let's right. Let's do it. And then I'm like, Seventeen Magazine. I read Seventeen Magazine. Nancy Drew. I love Nancy Drew. They have all these things. Balloon rides. I love balloon rides. (laughs) Staples. I shop there all the time. (laughs) And I was one of those people, and I still am, who, when, oh, I mean, I guess not as much anymore because you don't really get CDs anymore. You just go to apple and you or spotify and you pick which song you want to listen to and that's it but i remember i was one of those people that like when you get a cd i would just definitely like a skipper skip tracks like if i'm like ah, this one's a little too slow ah, this one's a little too whatever i just want to get to the song i want to listen to right i remember 17 magazine coming on and being like oh i like this (laughs) (laughs) that virgin megastore well, long before I met you and long before <laughs> I knew I'd be going to college in Orlando, we were on vacation to Orlando, mm-hmm. my family and I, my parents and my sister and I. And I know I bought Fillmore, which is not a band you would have ever heard of, but they were this Christian pop punk band on Five Minute Walk Records, which is Five Iron Frenzies record label. I think they were even from Denver as well. And then I also bought Run For Your Life which was a Christian ska band that was on the secular record label, Jump Up Records. Oh. Because <laughs> I, I was with my parents, and if I was going to convince them, because I was also looking at NoFX CDs, and like I'd like to get a NoFX CD, but I'm not going to trick my dad into getting this. So I was like, <laughs> if I go up to him and I say, these are Christian records, he'll get them for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? 
do all NoFX CDs have like a parental advisory? No, none of them. them? Do. No. Oh, really? Because they're not part of the record industry association. Oh, association really? Or whatever it's called. Yeah, RIAA or whatever. Yeah. I thought just like everybody had to, be, to do that. I thought no. it was like a morality police thing. <laughs> no, you just have to. If you're not part of a major label, then you don't have to do that. Oh. Because you have to be part of like the major labels to be considered for that or judged for it or whatever. I did not know that. And sometimes like smaller records that nobody gives a crap about don't wouldn't end up with those stickers. Like Hmm. Green Day's Dookie doesn't have a parental advisory sticker, but it's got plenty of swears and it's got dogs throwing shit on the cover. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. And then Enema of the State didn't have one when it first came out because I don't think anyone cared about Blink-182. Like that's the thing about the parental advisory sticker is it wasn't like a standard there wasn't like a set rule of like these albums are dirty enough to get stamped and these ones aren't. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway. I remember when I was going to film camp because I went to film camp for a few years. Uh-huh. Um, one of my friends was like really upset because she was a huge Blink-182 fan and left like almost all of her Blink-182 CDs at home. And she went one day to the Virgin Megastore and rebought like her whole Blink-182 collection. And I was like, <laughs> wow, that is dedication and somebody who really needs their Blink-182. <laughs> Interesting. (laughs) Wasn't Napster around by then? Yeah, I'm sure. But like, (laughs) there was no Wi-Fi at the hotel. This is before Uh, then. (laughs) Right. So yeah, 17. uh, I think we talked about it once before, but I got this, the now we're going back to 17 magazine and the Reliant Key self-titled. I got this album because I would regularly go record shopping because my relatively small town in Massachusetts had like eight record stores. Like we were a nothing town. But just because it was the 90s and there were record stores everywhere. Magical. I know. We had so many record stores. And one of them that was in my rotation was the Christian bookstore in our town, which was not one of the mainstream uh, chains. It was like a independent one. But they would carry everything from all those, you know, tooth and nail and all that stuff. That's where I got my first MXPX CD. And I was there one time and I saw Reliant K and I'm like, this looks like <laughs> something I like because they're... You know, four guys running on the cover, <laughs> right. doing that whole thing. I'm like, it looks like the cover of of a of a Get Up Kids CD. So I think this will probably be something, yeah, in line with me. So I, there might have been a listening station, or I might have just bought it on pure luck or whatever. And yeah, and then there, oh, then they were supposed to play. I think with the Supertones, maybe. I think I looked up this tour and they didn't make it to Boston. They were opening. They were like the first of four bands because they weren't anybody yet. Mm-hmm. And I, I looked up this tour and I already forgot about it. I should have written it down. But they didn't play that night the first time I was supposed to see them. And I had just bought their CD like weeks w- before. Was it because it was fall? They couldn't go to Boston <sighs> since it was fall? <laughs> yes. They're like, someday the Veggie Tales <laughs> are going to write this song. Not yet. But when they do, we'll have to cover it. And we need to be honest about this. Um, anyway, 17 Magazine. Yeah, I love this song because, oh, talking about Florida and going to college there, like by the time we were dating, right? And because we met discussing new listeners, we yes. met in college and Reliant K was one of like our first talking points when we were just friends. And then by the time we were dating and college was like winding down, we'd already been there for years you lived jessica lived in florida she lived near orlando and i moved to orlando to go to school there and we would drive to your parents house occasionally which was like 40 minutes south and you'd be like we're going to 
to my parents' house and you'd have a whole playlist picked out or a whole like activity yes. for the next 40 yes. minutes because that's the kind of stuff you used to yes. do. You're like, we're going to read this book on the way or we're going to listen to this album on the way. And Seventeen Magazine was a regular one that you would have picked out. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, you used to. It was one of my. Magazine. It's one of my favorite Reliant K songs. Yeah, it was part of your regular rotation of the forty-minute drive to my parents' house. <laughs> it's. I, I voted for it on the fan curated I final. Did too, Didn't of make that. it. Bummer. I. That's right. I always think of that on ramp. Yes. Near your place, <laughs> in Orlando. I don't know why I'm being guarded about where we lived in Orlando. Like anyone can go look us up there, but I'm actually being guarded about the geography. <laughs> Of, of a place we haven't lived in like eight, ten years. Anyway, my notes for the song. I realized like now that I have a slightly more attuned ear and nostalgia, you know, isn't like the absolute uh, defining factor of this album for me. I kind of hear the, the f- not the flaws, but I kind of, I can, I'm like, oh, this isn't as tight produced right as their later albums right so i kind of realized that you the... should like it it makes it more punk rock dan yeah <laughs> well i felt like the vocals on this track feel very compressed or something hmm. they just feel a little bit more like tinny like more like they've been through the digital ringer or the you know like the mixing board one hmm. too many times or something don't really know how to describe it not an industry not a music industry person but you know what i mean like it just the vocals sound a little, like yeah, fl- like just digitally compressed or something. They don't sound full. They don't sound rich. And I also kind of realized how much rougher Matt Thiessen's vocal. He was always a very good singer, but I'm like, yeah, he is just kind of talk singing, like melodically yeah. talk singing yeah. in this song. Um, one lyric that I wanted to note for this song. Is and I guess we can talk about the lyrics in general, and I'll get to my note. Talked to my sister late last night. It's talked to my sister late last night. She gave me some advice, and what she said was right. Talked to my sister late last night. I said I've got her on my mind. She said it's good. I know my kind. So this first verse, my yes. note is the pronouns are very confusing. We get what's going on. We've heard the song enough times. We know he's talking to his sister, and he's in love with a third girl, right? A third character. Maybe this is where the the person who submitted the misunderstood yeah. lyrics got that from. <laughs> Maybe because then, it, like the not the tense, but the point of view switches, where because he starts out saying, "I talk basically, I talked to my sister late last night. She gave me some advice." The point of view narrator of this song is the singer, is the vocalist, is Matt Thiessen, right? And then he says, I said, I've got her on my mind. And she said, it's good I know my kind. Except, like, grammar-wise, it should be, she said, it's good you know your kind. Right? Right. Because the point of view is from him as the narrator. And what she would have said was, it's good you know your kind. But he kind of fudges it a little bit and changes the point of view to himself even though he's quoting her because if she said it's good i know my kind then jessica his sister would be saying i know my kind and mantis would be like but we thought we we're talking about me do you know what i'm saying i get what you're saying yeah 
So that's my one criticism. That's one my one major <laughs> criticism about this song is this first verse kind of flip flops all over the place in terms of like narrative point of view, right? Yes. Yeah. And then also, I've never noticed that before. I'm <laughs> glad you pointed that. I've out. I've noticed this for a long time, and I've never had an outlet to discuss it. I was waiting <laughs> for this, this moment. Whole this whole podcast is why we did was the podcast. leading up to this. Yeah. I honestly, this is something I noticed from like back then. It's not something I give a lot of thought to, but it's a thought that I've always had about this song. But then one thought that just recently came to me listening to this is that when he said, when she, when she said, it's good I know my kind, I was like, I know what he means. He means it's like, she's saying, hey, it's good you know what kind of girl you like. But the line almost makes it sound like West Side Story. Like, stick with your own kind. <laughs> it almost makes it sound racist. Like, it's good you know your kind. Stick oh, to your own kind. I know that's not what it means, but it's just what makes me, what comes to mind. I think my misunderheard under, um, lyric was always, I think I thought he said type. Like, it's good oh. I know my type. It probably would be it's better with kind, type. Because, yeah, type is like, you know, what type oh, yeah. of person you're into. Yeah. And I wonder if it is type. It could be type. And the lyrics could be online wrong. Because I'm too lazy to go get our book. <laughs> Our CD book. You you mean? Oh yeah. There's there's not been a, the sound of clickety clacking this whole episode because no. Danny does not have the book in front of him. We have our <laughs> Christmas CDs still sitting here because we're doing another pot of Christmas soon. But no, I don't have the book in front of me. So lyrically, the song is like very uh, respectful. It's like a respectful meme. <laughs> yes. You know those memes where you take. <laughs> A reaction meme, but you make it all about respecting women. It's like the uh, the John Legend, Kelly Clarkson version of yes. Baby It's Cold Outside. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> if you haven't heard it, because I wouldn't have heard it if Jessica didn't tell me about it. <laughs> Kelly Clarkson and John Legend redid Baby It's Cold Outside to be less creepy. Yeah, it's updated. Less it's leering the, and less, the, less grabby. Yeah, well, yes. And she doesn't, she sings all the original lyrics, but he's singing respectful lyrics yeah. about, let me call you an Uber. Yeah. And he's like, your guy's outside. His name's Jim or something. Yeah. <laughs> the first time Danny heard it, he's like, oh no, this isn't serious, is it? And then I realized when they were singing about the Uber driver and his name and he'll be there in two minutes, like I was and like, then oh, he this comes is a- into the song in the yeah, end. Yeah. And then he actually yeah. shows up. I'm like, okay, this is a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> One, th- one other criticism I can kind of make of this song is it's like, there's two things going on here, right? It's kind of ironic. The The sentiment is kind of like a joking, ironic, winking thing that he is he's, he's in love with a girl and he goes to his sister to talk about it. And she's like, here, let's go through my Seventeen magazine and take this quiz uh, and you'll find out if you're really in love, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he, it's it's an ironic, jokey, winky thing saying, ha, 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 magazines don't really know what love is. And there's no reference specifically, and that's that I can recall, but there, yeah, there's no reference specifically to uh, God or Christ or, you know, biblical love, agape love or anything like that. Right. But it feels like a very, very common theme in the year 2000, especially with, like, save yourself for marriage and like I kiss dating goodbye and like promise rings and stuff there was you know that's sort of part of the Christian pop culture and the movement in certain churches and stuff so 
and even if you're not talking about that sort of extreme in the like Christian concept of dating and sex and stuff, if you're just talking about just Christian kids trying to figure out what's love and all that stuff, like it's a very common theme in Christian pop and pop rock music to be like respectful love songs, you know what I mean? (laughs) But to also sort of make a biting commentary on, oh, magazines, they don't know what love is, right? Yeah. And actually, I think that's a reasonable point of view. And even though that's definitely a Christian point of view to be like, oh, the secular world and secular magazines don't really know what love is, right? That's a very Christian point of view, but I think also the secular world can can say the exact same thing. Like, oh, these pop, these you know, pop self help books, these quick little things, these quick little things to poison our kids with shopping is good and all that stuff. Like, it doesn't. You don't need a religious point of view to say magazines don't really know what love is. But you can, I can see it from the Christian particular point of view. This is not where I thought this discussion was going to go, but (laughs) I'm kind of here for it. Okay. I don't know. I don't know where I thought it was going to go, but biting commentary on (laughs) (laughs) But it's like a cutesy commentary. Because there's definitely like in the Christian culture war and like the Christian pop culture war against secular living and secular ideas there was there is always like a vilification of magazines just in general did you ever get that sense from any churches or schools you didn't go to a christian school but any churches or youth groups you went to where it's like you know movies are movies are often bad tv is is very often bad magazines they're always bad like that's a sense that no. i definitely got from things cuz you know there's sex ad these sexual ads which are akin to pornography when you think when you try to think this cleanly no i mean the only thing that came close was that i think i don't remember what episode we discussed this in was that my youth pastor put out like an email where he reviewed movies he like wrote a scathing review of sin city and i was super disappointed yeah i was super disappointed in that because i loved sin city i thought it was like a really great artistic (laughs) you know movie and i just didn't get where he was coming from that was your first that was your first and pretty much only time experiencing (laughs) someone in your christian community vilifying secular media i was very much used to that idea in the various churches that i went to and i went to a different number of different kind of denominations and that was a common theme. Yeah, because I was like, oh, I don't know. I feel like I have a very differing view here. And then I just kind of distance myself. I don't right. Know. So I guess my point that I was going towards with this is like there. It's like a, it's like a funny commentary on oh magazines. They don't really know what love is. But then like pulling back with the sands of time and like thinking about like being a teenager and hearing this song and like thinking you got this crush and you're like you're like I love this girl in school and 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 it's and I'm I'm totally clean about the way I I appreciate her and think she's beautiful and I just want to respect her right it's like well that's going to go real well cuz girls love being respected in high school right that's the guys they always love you know what I'm saying I know what you're I'm saying. Being a, I'm being real inside. I'm crossing the inside. Yeah, I line. see what you're doing. <laughs> but anyway, that was my experience in high school. Nobody cared about the re- respectful pudgy boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
I would have cared about the respectful pudgy boy. <laughs> I know you would have. <laughs> uh, but we've talked about it. We're, our age difference is fine now as adults, <laughs> but we never could have dated in school. Nope. <laughs> we never would have known each other no. in school. <laughs> um, and I guess, the so one thing that came to mind listening to Seventeen Magazine, it's like, it's like I've never seen your motive so squeaky clean. That line, yeah, it reminded me of in the. We web- know what Matt Thiessen is about. <laughs> <laughs> but it reminded me that this kind of feeds into that. It reminded me of in the Wet Hot American Summer movie when towards the end, when uh, when Michael Showalter's character is talking to the I can't remember her name, but the main female character in the movie and the series. You know what I'm talking about? Um, When he's like, he's like, he's like, I just, I can't remember the actual lines, but he's like, I I care about you and I love you. And sure, I want to have sex with you, but that's not all it's about. (laughs) Something like that. Yeah. That's what comes to mind. Oh man, first day of camp is so good. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It took us a while to come around to it. It did. 10 years later is okay, but like first day of camp is so good. Ten years later, just suffers from the fact that, like, you could tell no everyone couldn't be there. At yeah. The same time. Did I have any other notes on the song? So yeah, I guess like this this album this song is just it's real like cutesy. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's just cute and fun. Yeah. Um. Oh, and it's seven, real wholesome. Yeah, it's, it's wholesome. real clean it's cut a, and wholesome. It's a wholesome, respectful meme. I love it. So seventeen magazine on the album. It's spelled one seven magazine mm-hmm. on the back of the CD, but the yes. the album the the, the magazine, magazine is, is spelled out yes. as the word seventeen magazine. So I'm like, was that some sort of like trademark skirting thing that they did? Well, that's Reliant K's trademark move, Danny. <laughs> it is. That's the tra- that's what that song's about. Yeah, they're like, we got to make a trademark move so we don't get sued by Seventeen magazine. <laughs> and oh, I and I guess last thing, last my last note is like. I kind of never realized, but this album, the self-titled album, is kind of a cultural milieu, right? For the time. It's very stamped, very time-stamped, because obviously there's Marilyn Manson referenced in it. But yeah. then I didn't think, then in this song, they mention Sync, Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's like you get this whole, like, Reliant K was really speaking to their time. They're like, hey, you teenagers out yeah. there. We know you like Marilyn Manson and Sync. <laughs> We're going to mention them, so you'll be interested in us. <laughs> I also recently thought about this album, and I realized something that probably helped Reliant K build their audience is that, like, the tracks on this album, they mention Matt Thiessen twice. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Almost like like a rap album. Like one of the reasons why like rap artists kind of have these personalities that are so big and why they're so popular is because they can actually like talk about themselves in their albums and mention their own names. Yeah. Almost like how the way Pokemon are marketed where they say their own names over and over so it's in the kid's head and they're like, I want a Bulbasaur. You know what I mean? It's yes. so like rap artists can be like, this is my name and here I am and, you know, <laughs> spend your money on me. But then how many rock bands can really say like, these are our name. This is my name. Check me out. Like I'm a guy and I'm playing. But they mentioned Matt Thiessen's name in the opening sketch to Marilyn Manson, and then in the tra- in the Charles in Charge 
uh, thing that they do right before the solo. So yeah. this kind of like it's kind of really clever clever marketing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then they introduce us to Hoops in the third album. Yeah. Because like if you're the Beatles or even if you're Blink-182, like you just kind of know that the like media and social media are going to get the image of the individual people. Well, I guess that's social media for the Beatles. <laughs> And only social media a little bit for Blink-22. But, you know, you're going to appear on TV and people are going to be interviewed and everyone's going to know the names of Ringo and George and mm-hmm. uh, Paul and uh, 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 Petey or whatever his name is. <laughs> Joe. Joe Bean. And uh, But then, anyway, uh, this is a totally stupid tangent. I'm just saying, clever, clever Relying K dropping Matt Tyson's name twice on the album. So everyone has that name in their head and it just kind of helps... Yeah. fans sort of like get an image of the band because i've got so many albums that i love that i have no idea who the you know no yeah. picture of who the band oh, is oh yeah like so many ska and punk albums that i own that i love that i listen to over and over bands that i never saw bands that maybe were together for only a year or two and i have no idea who those people are like maybe now i could look them up on youtube and see some live footage that i never would have seen at the time anyway 17 magazine yeah, I totally get it. Like, I'm a yeah. Smashing Pumpkins fan, but up until recently, I only knew Billy Corrigan. Like, that's, you know, right. you know Billy Corrigan, but you don't necessarily know, like, the other members of the band. Unless maybe like, you were sort of living in at go. the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely don't know any of the current members of Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, I think Jimmy's back, maybe? Right. I, I don't remember now. Did you, oh, we want to do some fun Seventeen Magazine stuff, right? Yes, yeah. So, well. <laughs> So because I didn't find a lot, I've got like things like 10 magazines every 90s girl read. I've got an article about that. And I've also got, I was like, oh, we could do, we could take a 17 magazine quiz for fun. Mm. That's another thing we could possibly do. Or when I woke up Sunday morning thinking that we were recording that night and didn't realize yet that I had a fever, I wrote a fanfic in three minutes. (laughs) Okay. what i didn't find a lot on this i love the weird stuff let's make our own weird stuff all right (laughs) so we're just gonna see how this plays it was a dark and stormy night in the small town of canton ohio matthew teeson a cute lanky junior stood in the doorway of his sister jessica's room he wrapped his knuckles against the door jam Jessica, who had been sprawled out across her bed reading a magazine, looked up and gave her brother a warm smile. I made sure that this included all of the fanfic tropes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Matt hesitated for a moment. Hey, Jess, you think I could talk to you for a second? Jessica closed the magazine and patted the bed next to her. Of course, Maddie. Matt crossed the room and plopped down on the bed. What's on your mind, Jessica asked. Are you the one who said that you misheard those lyrics? (laughs) I know you're going for all the fan fiction tropes, I understand. But this is just loaded with unintended sexual tension. (laughs) That was the one I wasn't going for. Uh, Matt Matt ran a hand through his tussled blonde hair. It's this girl at school. (laughs) Jessica smiled knowingly, waiting for her brother to continue. She's really pretty and smart and funny, and I I think I'm in love. Jessica's eyebrows shot up. In love, she asks. Matt just quietly nodded his head. You think you don't know for sure? 
Matt shook his head from side to side. A wide grin spread across Jessica's face. She (laughs) She sits up a little with a bounce and crosses her legs under her, grabbing for the forgotten magazine. She flips through it excitedly before finding the page she was looking for. She jabs her finger at the title, holding it out for Matt to see. You're mixing your tenses. I am mixing my tenses. I, wrote I know it you in, wrote it in the morning on a, with, a fever, with a developing fever. I actually wrote it in one tense and I'm as I'm reading it, just mixing them up. Mm. Uh, how to tell if you're in love, he... How to tell... Uh, excuse me. <clears throat> how to tell if you're in love, he asked. Jessica beamed at him. Yep, this 10 yes or no question quiz is foolproof. I love that you're just taking the song and just stretching it out like an accordion. Like, imagine if these were the lyrics to the song. A 10-minute song. This is what fan fiction is. I understand. Uh, Matt looks skeptical. Jessica nudges her brother. Come on, what have you got to lose? Besides, what else were you planning on doing tonight? Well, Hoops and I were going to go get some food and hit up movies for Jessica. (laughs) Ooh, crossover. (laughs) Jessica barreled right on through. Question one, Matt sighed. Do you like in sync? Matt's brow furrowed. What does that have to do with being in love? Jessica gave an exasperated sigh. Just answer the question. Yeah, sure. They're okay, Matt lied. Jessica nodded and reached for a pen from the nightstand, marking something down. Okay, question two. Would you say that your middle name's Don Juan? A sly grin spread across Matt's lips. I wouldn't have thought that the questions in the song would just be literally asking, is your middle name Don Juan? The the thing is, is that the song says 10 yes or no questions. But then I thought that this would just be the results of the questions, you know, like in the end you add them up and it's like your middle name is Don Juan and you like in sync. But he says that he lied and says he likes in sync oh. in the song. Oh, I don't think I ever noticed that. Yep. <laughs> A sly grin spread across Matt's lips. Oh, yeah. Jessica rolled her eyes. Question three. Are you sure of yourself? I think Matt responded, though it sounded more like a question than a definitive statement. Jessica again marked something down and continued. Four, are you doing it all for the nookie? What? No way, Matt responded, a cool sweat breaking out across the back of his neck. Jessica asks a few more questions before tallying up the answers in the back. Matt sits quietly waiting. Okay, are you ready for your results? Matt nodded. Your motives have never been more squeaky clean. Maybe this time she's just the one you need. But take your time. You shouldn't go for her full speed. Jessica smiles up at her brother. I'm just setting some background music. (laughs) Listen, Matt, if you're asking me, love is sacred, love is sweet, and my Seventeen magazine tells me that you're in love. An excited blush uh, uh, broke out across Matt's cheeks. Thanks, sis. He jumped off the bed. I'm going to go call Emily and ask her out right now. Why did you decide the name's Emily? I don't know. (laughs) Jessica chuckled at her brother's antics, turning back to her magazine as he rushed out the door. Because it had to have an OC, an original character, that was clearly an avatar for the author. That's why. I couldn't I say Jessica. Been... The sister's name's Jessica. You could, well, you could have picked your middle name. I could have. I just didn't think about it. Um, just picked a 90s girl name. Well, a 90s girl name would be Laura Croft. <laughs> I'm going to go tell Laura Croft right now that I love her. 
boots up his PC and his PlayStation or whatever. I love you, Laura. Someday I'll figure out the nude code, but only when we're married. That's amazing. Thank you very much for that, Jessica. I'm so glad I don't have to take one of those quizzes now. We did that instead, right? That's completely up to you. Why do you have the quizzes ready? How much time will it take? I don't know. <laughs> It'd probably take a really I long didn't time. pre-screen the screen. I did not pre-screen the quizzes. Okay. But I found one that was, first of all, I spent a lot of time trying to find like an archived one and couldn't because I wanted to find one from like 1999, 2000. Right. But you unfortunately, I could not find it. Central library and yeah. copies. <laughs> I just found one from November 21st of this year that was, are you in love or it is, is it a crush? Mm, what if we take it about each other and we find, <laughs> find out you just have a crush on me, but I'm in love? Do you have things in common with your crush, Danny? So much. We could talk for hours about our shared interests. I don't know. We don't talk much. I'm confused. Oh, those are the answers for me to... you to, you, There's two We for have you to pick so from. much to talk about. I just have to assume you're my crush. Oh, this tells you how many people, the percentage of people that answered oh, nice. this. 29% said we don't have much to talk about. 71% <laughs> said... Uh, we talk about our shared interests all the time. Do you have any inside jokes? So many. Yeah, so many. Or we don't really talk enough so to have many. any. <laughs> Just tell me if it's the majority answer. It is the majority answer. Okay. Could you see your crush turning into something more serious? Definitely. OMG, that would be amazing. Or no, I actually kind of enjoy admiring them from afar. 14% answered that one. I love how... The, all the questions are basically like, do you know the person or no? Yeah. And then it's you're, you're like, I know the person. And then the next question is, do you know the person or no? Yeah. <laughs> is this every... a celebrity or a person in your real life? Yeah. <laughs> is, this, is this Laura Croft or a person <laughs> in your real life? Um, when you're around your crush, you get all nervous and giggly, are able to play it cool. I'm able to play it cool with you all the time. I'm so cool around you. Well, you picked the minority answer. Oh. 49% said are able to play it cool. I'm comfortable with you. <laughs> Giggly and nervous said 51. Do you think your head could be turned by someone else? No way. My crush is the only one for me. Possibly dot dot dot. Is the distracted boyfriend meme, like, sitting on that with that question? No, but that would be amazing if it was. Uh, no one else can turn my head. This one's very close. You answered the one that 55% of people did, but 45% of people said possibly. Mm. How often do you talk to your well, crush? Well, their motives aren't squeaky clean. <laughs> I know. <laughs> How often do you talk to your crush? Literally all the time. Literally. Shh, it's still a secret. <laughs> Literally all the time. <laughs> I guess this doesn't really count when it's, I'm talking about my wife. But I'm just doing my best. How many questions are left? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, so many. Oh, Entirely we're not finishing many. this. <gasps> Whoa. Whoa. This is like entirely like they're acting, too many. They're acting like this is a real clinical quiz. And like, no, it's just like, do you love them or no? No joke. There's like 50. Okay, we're not finishing this tonight. Oh Sorry, folks. We'll not, we're not going to find out if I have a real crush on <laughs> Jessica or not. Oh, man. I needed to know, though. <laughs> I'll finish it later. And then you can check us out on patreon.com slash Sadie Hawkins pod. 
and see the results of that quiz. Smooth. Sometime in January. It's been sitting there, and people can sign up and get nothing for it, but in January... We will have, we'll uh, have perks real content and stuff, yeah. yeah. Anything else to discuss, or should we go into covers and live stuff? Let's get into covers and live stuff. So there's only one official live performance of this, or one... I always say official. I don't mean it's like official release, but the actual band. Right. When I say official, I mean the real bands involved. There's only one official live performance of this on YouTube. Coincidentally, two people feet apart from each other in the front row both recorded it and both put it up on YouTube. Oh, wow. This is in 2013. Oh, wow. In Birmingham, Alabama. Matt, uh, the two, both Matts in 2013. I can't believe they played it this decade. I know. That's amazing. I'm jealous. I can't remember why I have this in my brain, but I feel like it might have just been like someone requested it. Maybe at the end of the video, he says like, thanks for requesting that or something. Oh. But um, in one of the two videos. So yeah, two different people filmed it and you don't see them both. You don't see them film each other. But it's the exact same show, and so you can see Matt Thiessen from his left profile and his right profi- profile. Um, I think this was the better sounding one. Let's see. So yes, acoustic as well. They're not playing it with the full oh, band. Cool. I guess like the rest of the band uh, went and took a smoke break, <laughs> and then the two Matts <laughs> stayed out on stage and played some acoustic nice. songs. <laughs> Talk to my sister late last night And she gave me some advice What she said was right Talk to my sister late last night I said I got her on my mind She said it's good I know my kind And maybe this time, maybe she's campfire version it's yeah. also fun to hear it with matt's more um melodic yeah professional vocals, singing yeah voice. yeah it's oh you know i kind of forgot i had one other note on the song now that i'm thinking of it because he pulls back and he kind of jams on the mm-hmm. electric on the acoustic guitar for a second the f- structure of this song feels oddly lopsided to me because there's a guitar solo after the first chorus right like he finishes, tells me mm-hmm. that you're in love the first time he says that, and then it goes into a guitar solo. Yeah. And typically, I think of a guitar solo as being about three quarters through a song. You know what I mean? But it's just smack dab in the middle. Like at the very least, you do the chorus twice before you do a guitar solo. Heck yeah, they're just that rocking day. <laughs> they're like we can't wait. We got a guitar solo. <laughs> we got to make up for that Charles in Charge one. <laughs> so yeah, that's a really nice 
thing that they did to play this in 2013. Yeah. And as far as I can tell, when I look at set list, and this is a song I, um, I feel like I've definitely seen live in the early, early days of me seeing them live. Mm-hmm. But I have no proof of that. And we have got to get... Before we started this podcast, I was going through old VHS tapes, and I found some Reliant K bootlegs that I bought Ooh. that aren't on YouTube. Oh. One's from Soulfest from one of the they they did the cafe shows, not the main stage shows, but they did like small smaller venue shows inside like the ski lodge. Nice. And then there's that one I talked about with Reliant <laughs> with Five Iron Frenzy where they did the karaoke thing. You've got to bust those out. I don't have the karaoke one. I wish I had that because I was up on stage for that one. But I got to bust those out and see what other songs they perform on there. Yeah. Because I went through the, the Detroit show, the one with Steven on drums. And I was like, oh, please, Seventeen Magazine be in here. And it wasn't. Oh. And then I left cut. After I went through, I left comments as Sadie Hawkins Pod YouTube on the videos with the time codes for all the songs. I'm like, I need these for the future so That's I can funny. remember what songs to talk about. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is like one of the this is like one of the only times listed on setlist FM of them playing this live. There's like only two performances recorded on setlist. So at the very least hmm. in the modern era. Yeah. They really have apparently only played this in yeah. Birmingham. Then we can kind of get into covers and fun stuff, which is very short tonight. I even mixed fan stuff and covers into one group because they weren't enough to do both. Someone did a tutorial. This is kind of funny because there's this young kid in 2013. Oh, Reliant K stuff. We've talked about him before. Oh, yeah. And there's a Reliant K stuff Twitter account. I think we talked about this last time we saw the Reliant K stuff Mm. YouTube channel. I was like, is it the same Reliant K stuff on Twitter? And he saw the Birmingham live video. Hmm. And then he's like, okay, I w-, he doesn't say the Birmingham live video. But he's like, there's this live acoustic version online. And I watched how he played it. And here's how I think he played it. And then he kind of is like, Aww. but he just, I don't want to make fun of him. But he just figured it out like right before he started recording. So he doesn't really have it all down yet. Gotcha. And he's like, wait, wait, no, I guess it's this thing or whatever. Yeah, it's funny. It's and it's interesting. And he, he'll really show you how to play the song. There's a couple different things also called Seventeen Magazine by artists. This one, because it sounded the most like something I would have listened to at the time. It's from 2002 by a band called Day of Less. And they also spelled it with the numbers 1-7 instead of the word 17 Magazine. And it was re- released by Rise Records, who I have all kinds of Rise Records, but I've never heard of this particular album. This is what it sounds like. This is so, like, angsty, <laughs> mid-2000s. But it's, like, post-hardcore. It's kind of bordering on maybe, like sort of rap if you hear this you might think rap rock at first yeah, but when you like, hear it's a little pod ish but now here we go this is when it gets okay. into the deep elm like branston appleseed cast sort of thing here we go see this is more of the jawbreaker sort of thing but this is a band i definitely would have listened to you know i had <laughs> the thing is i had rap i had rap rock 
albums, and I never really liked them. Mm-hmm. It was basically like the second wave of grunge for me, where like I liked grunge because it was the only thing I'd found that was cool, but I didn't really love grunge. Mm-hmm. And then when rap rock came out, I was like, this is cool, but I was like just forcing <laughs> myself to like rap rock because it was cool and it was in the mainstream and I wanted to be part of something that was relatively cool. And then you discovered ska and you just never turned back. I didn't. You were like, I found my home in music. I did. <laughs> And then I found two different stand-up comedians on Spotify who have tracks called Seventeen Magazine. And both of them I can't really play because they're very <laughs> sexually explicit. They're not wholesome like Relanca's Seventeen Magazine? They're not wholesome magazine. at all. One isn't about Seventeen Magazine at all. It's about just basically, I don't know if it's worse not to explain it, but it's about like a mishap while having sex. Ah. Uh, like something getting lost. Okay. You know? Sure. <laughs> and he's like, how do we retrieve this thing? It's like he's looking online and trying to figure it out. And he finds an article on Seventeen magazine. Gotcha. About how to. Yep. Remove things. Understandable. From... Yeah. Gotcha. And I was like, that sounds like more of a Cosmo uh, question. I know. Answer, but... but so maybe he was lying for the for the comedy. Yeah. But then the other one is he's actually talking about weird articles on Seventeen magazine in the modern day. Because I think Seventeen Magazine definitely is a lot more sexual. Probably was sexual in the probably. 90s as well. Yeah. More sexual than we'd want to admit. Because magazines. I actually didn't read. Vilified. <laughs> I didn't read a lot of Seventeen Magazine. I went from like, as a kid, reading like Nickelodeon Magazine and Disney Adventure <laughs> Magazine to like Teen Vogue. I had a subscription to Teen Vogue. Nice. And... I'm trying to think of, like, maybe I'd buy, like, an issue of Seventeen magazine if I was, like, ooh, in sync's on the cover or something like that. But, yeah. When I was a young kid, I used to read, like, Popular Mechanics and Forbes. <laughs> and then I was, like, and then my dad was, like, don't you want to read something fun, like, some comic books? And I was, like, please, father. <laughs> Neither one of us really read magazines anymore. I read Women's Health for a long time, but not anymore. I don't read magazines at all. <laughs> I gave it like years ago, like maybe five, six years ago. I got like a magazine subscription from someone for charity. And it's like every single one of them went into the recycling. Like this will sit around forever and I just won't read it. And it yeah. just goes in the recycling. Yeah. And now I get AAA magazine. And I'm like, I'll thumb through it. And I'm like, goes in the trash. <laughs> you know, I just, I don't have time for magazines. Yeah, magazines, that's tough in the age of the internet. But I'm like, I could just get all these answers online or go to the publications website or something. Yeah, I guess people used to get magazines to actually like fill the time. Like, and get inform- in- yeah. In useful information. Yeah, like good housekeeping. You'd get all your yeah stuff. From. But now I just think of magazines as like some random thing that's just there if your phone is low on battery. <laughs> um, we do have one cover that was sent to us. And this is by Adam Goff from Sylph Band. Woohoo! And it sounds like I skipped way ahead. It sounds like this. I talked to my sister late last night. She gave me some advice, and what she said was right. I talked to my sister late last night. I got her on my mind She 
sets good I know my kind And maybe this time Maybe she's just the one you need Keep taking your time You shouldn't go for her full speed And maybe this time Maybe she's just the one you need I just want to pause. I loved it when he was Maybe this time <laughs> Something about the way he said that I liked it. I'm just dancing around over yeah. here. Love it. So I was talking to Adam on DM and he's like, because I was like, everyone get your covers to us by Sunday. Adam's the only one who got it to us on time at all. And I was, and he's like, oh, I hope you got it in time. And I'm like, oh yeah, we're not recording tonight um, after all. And then he's like, oh, I don't know, you know, I, I threw it together real quick. So I know it's got some like, you know. It sounds great. It does sound great. But he was just apologizing for whatever because he threw it together real quick. And, and he changed some of the words or whatever. And I was like, I think it would sound good if we added, maybe, and I could be wrong, but I was like, if we added some reverb and made it sound all like indie and like sort of purposefully a little loose. So I'm going to see what it sounds like. Did you just produce this? Reproduce this I'm re- cover? I'm producing this cover for Adam. <laughs> so let's see. I've just got it in Gold Wave and I'm just going to add the basic reverb preset and see what happens. Yeah, the reverb really, it makes it sound like, it makes it sound more indie rock. Yeah. It's making it more like Pedro the Lion. (laughs) (laughs) Like early Pedro the Lion. I talked to my sister. I just want to make sure that I'm not crazy. And oh, it's processing. That's oh, awesome. I added the reverb. Yeah, okay. That's sick. Oh, yeah, there's definitely a difference. Okay. I was like, let me make sure that I didn't like. <laughs> oh, no, there's for sure a difference yeah, with the reverb. Yeah. yeah, it did sound all cool in indie rock. I love it. Yeah. So hopefully Adam will agree to us putting this up online and I'll add the reverb for the. For the bonus app of just this song. Yeah, it definitely sounds better with the reverb. Because then when I was saying it to him, he's like, oh, do you think I should have just added reverb just to the guitar or whatever? And I'm like, maybe the whole track. We'll see. We'll see what it sounds like. Um, Are you transitioning into uh, music production, Danny? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're gonna you're going to have to learn some more send... technical stuff. I know. First. We're just going to have people keep sending covers until we can put together the Sadie Hawkins pod comp tribute album. Nice. <laughs> I don't think Reliant K have any tribute albums. Oh, wait. They do <laughs> for every kind of coffeehouse instrument you can think of. So here's a cover by on SoundCloud by Thomas Jacob. See, Thomas knows about the reverb. <laughs> he knows. <laughs> Told you, Adam, you need a reverb if you're just going to do single guitar Yeah, covers. but Adam's was more like cool indie rock, and this one's more like 
coffee house specific. Yeah. Like indie rock, you can listen to anytime, but like coffee house, you can only listen in the two at the coffee house. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> or on college radio. Uh, so I guess t- this Thomas cover, he cut it down to just a minute and 30 seconds. And yeah, he didn't do the first part of the the cover. The, for the lyrics, whatever. Keep taking your time. You shouldn't go for full speed. You don't just hear this on the indie rock radio in the coffee house. You also hear this in like a hipster television show. <laughs> this is like some freeform stuff. <laughs> you consider freeform hipster television? It's wannabe hipster television. <laughs> that's, that's what Pretty Little Liars is on, Danny, or was on. I think it's oh, off whatever. the air now. Anyway. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. I don't know anything about kids today and their 17 magazines and whatever they <laughs> read and their. That was a very pretty cover, though. Yes, very nice. Uh, and then we have Princes of the Sun are back. And you know what's really oh, funny? Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Because every time we talk about the first album, yep. if there's no covers, we at least have Princes of the Sun with their sort of loose REM interpretation of <laughs> Freeline Case first album. Now, this is not an effect I care for. I don't know what guitar effect this is, but this is not what I, I care for. And I don't know what that is. Are you using an accordion? I don't know if that's an accordion or it could be like a melodica. Like the, that that sort of wind oh, instrument yeah, yeah, yeah. that has a keyboard on it. I don't know. It could... Something sounds... that I like that. I like that, but I don't care for this guitar effect. Yeah, that one's a little, you know, it's interesting. <laughs> oh, you know what's really... You nailed it with, like, loose R.E.M. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like, it feels like R.E.M. demos. Like, I've, I'm listening to our uh, re-talking R.E.M. Remy, that Scott Ackerman, Adam Scott R.E.M. podcast. Mm-hmm. And when they've listened to, like, demos and stuff, you know, they're very loose. They actually do sound very similar to Princes of the Sun. Mm. You know what's really odd? This is the first week... And we're almost done. But this is the very first time where I found no covers on YouTube at all. Wow. I only found a couple of covers. And they're all on SoundCloud and Bandcamp. Hmm. So let's see this thing that I found on SoundCloud when I searched for Seventeen Magazine. David wasn't the only one to face a giant. We all face overwhelming situations, but when we step out in faith and follow God's lead, the impossible can become reality. When she was 14 years old, Is this a commercial? Is this part of the song? Yes, I think it's a radio commercial. It's a radio radio promo commercial. (laughs) I was like, are they doing a skit at the beginning? What is happening? No, it's like a radio commercial for a Christian radio channel. But uh, here's where it gets into the Seventeen Magazine part. Julia Bloom noticed that all the girls in your class 
struggled with their body image. She saw the unrealistic expectations that girls are encouraged to achieve, and she decided to do something. She wrote a letter to Seventeen Magazine, asking the editors to stop using Photoshop to make all their models look thinner, and started an online petition that gained more than 84,000 signatures. And the editor of Seventeen agreed. What are the chances that a 14-year-old girl could change the policies of Seventeen Magazine? She <laughs> Probably not very good. <laughs> yeah. So that's a nice story. That is a nice story. It, but I don't think it worked. I don't think, and I doubt it was just her. Right? You know what I mean? They're saying it worked. Now let's say Julia Bloom, which sounds like Julie, Julia Bloom, 17. Sounds like Judy Mag- Bloom. Yeah, that's it. Judy Bloom makes me think of that. Teen petitions. So 2012, Teen Petition 17 magazine to stop airbrushing. Was it photoshopping or airbrushing? So NBC News, NBC Nightly News. Oh, this is a video. I don't want to turn off my ad blocker. So I guess this is a story that really was in the news. Um, And here's some, I guess these are pictures of her. Julia Bloom. Teen girls against Photoshop. (laughs) Did they do it for like one issue or something? I don't know. But in 2000, apparently in 2012, this girl. Nice actually did this now it reminded me jessica and i collect vhs tapes and sometimes we find like old you know uh christian uh, there's no other word for it propaganda tapes Mm -hmm. like about the evils of satanism which was not actually halloween a movement at the way it was yeah and halloween the way it was depicted um but (laughs) we found that we watched the one about the mtv the anti-mtv propaganda one remember that one yes and there was all this, there was this thing about a woman who wrote like 7-Up or Sprite or something. And it's like, don't do this MTV tie-in contest. And they listen to her. And it's like, isn't it amazing that one <laughs> butting in mom in, mid, you know, in middle America, like stopped this soda company from promoting MTV? I'm like, I guess. <laughs> but when I hear something like this, I'm like, okay, the, the teens against, teen girls against Photoshop it could have just been the one girl who wrote and it might have been something that the editor was already thinking about and was like, this is a good opportunity to react positively to this thing that's happening. Did she get like a group behind her? Well, did you hear? Like she one million had, moms or one of those She how of many? Is She had 45,000 petition signs or online or whatever. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, here it is. 84,000 signatures. 84,000 signatures online helped... That's great. Julia Bloom to get Seventeen Magazine to stop doing Photoshopping at least in 2012. That's nice. Yeah, and that's... So Seventeen Magazine, there you go. No Photoshopping. Did you find that in your deep dive? No, because I used, like, quotes around Reliant K and... (laughs) Okay. Um... Anyway, yeah, so when I hear a story like that... It's heartwarming. It is heartwarming, but... And this, I, this, I guess you could th- say this is cynical, but uh, I just think of it as realistic. What's that whole long quote? <laughs> yeah, you be positive, I'll be realistic. You be positive, I'll be realistic. When I hear a story like this, I think it's probably like someone higher up didn't like that they were already doing it, and they just... They see the, the, the person and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, good, I'm going to grab this and use it as a tool to do what I wanted to do in the first place. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or they already see. Oh, 
Jessica got a phone call on her laptop <laughs> in the middle. I was going around the same point over and over, but just suddenly. I need to just, start putting my phone on airplane mode when we record. Yeah, because Jessica's got an iPhone and a Mac, so when she gets a phone call, it goes, everything rings. Everything the rings. Whole house rings. So my phone is on silent, but <laughs> it rings into my headphones, and I like quickly like throw them off because it's so loud. And then, like April was snoring in the middle of that. And yeah. <laughs> my dad has radar. He like always calls when we're recording. <laughs> <laughs> that's it for covers. Honestly, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, as you turn off our water cooler. <laughs> The last thing I have, the only other thing, we can literally do everything I found. Because typically I'll find so many videos, we can't do them all. If we do this, then we'll do everything that Seventeen Magazine, <laughs> Reliant K on YouTube. And it's this. Someone made an FMV to Seventh Heaven. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and they stomped all over our number one rule about making fandom FMVs. Don't use clips of people talking. But they're but, talking to their sister. I, oh, yeah, I guess oh, so. I think only one of those is a sister. I don't know who the other girl is. I did not really... I was not a 7th Heaven fan. I was not a 7th Heaven fan either. I maybe saw three episodes out of its whole run. I wasn't a WB... I wasn't a... I was just about to ask what channel it was on. WB. You know what was so funny about the WB? I was WB? a Gilmore Girls fan. Right. And that was WB, I think. And Smallville. The first, like, I think two seasons. And One Tree Hill. I did not watch One Tree Hill. You know what's funny about... WB, which is now CW for anyone who doesn't realize that. Just in case. We have young listeners. We do have young listeners who have never known the WB. (laughs) So nowadays you got the CW. And before that, it was the WB. And CW shows are synonymous with like teen drama, like shiny teeth. You know, Abercrombie's an old reference now. But you know what I mean. (laughs) Oh, that's so sad. (laughs) Like all these shows that are on the CW now, like even the DC Comics versions all yeah. have this element yeah. that sort of start on the WB with One Tree Hill and Smallville and Seventh Heaven. Wasn't and Dawson's Creek on on? Yeah, Dawson's WB? Creek yeah. was WB. But what's so funny that very few people remember is that when the WB as a network began, they started out marketing themselves to African Americans. Oh, really? Do you remember this? No. So the WB, I'm, I'm totally correct on this because i remember it at the time because it was exciting to be a kid and i was a kid and all of a sudden everyone's like the wb has begun it's a brand new air free Mm -hmm. air for free uh, television station you know like fox had started when i was too young so i don't remember fox beginning but then the wb starts Mm -hmm. and they're like it's a brand new free television channel and they right away like Kids WB. They had more or less figured out from the beginning. Like what what remained Kids WB through all that time started right then. But Primetime WB in the beginning was like a lot of sitcoms and stuff, and they all had like an African American. Not all of them, but a bunch of them had hmm. like an African American interesting thing. And then. Or they were just family. And uh, there was also UPN started at the same time. Remember UPN? Yes, I do. Yeah. And UPN was like flat out like urban, mm-hmm. right? UPN was like that, yeah. that, that they really market that. But WB had a little bit of that too. It's interesting that the WB then then like morphed into no diversity. No. Just like exactly. white 
blonde teens doing stuff. Yeah, because that's what was so bizarre. And I remember like when it when boy bands come along, and I'm like, oh, I hate boy bands. And all of a sudden, <laughs> primetime WB is those same people, the people that listen to boy bands <laughs> on TV shows. I think, what was it called? Uh, Hanging with Mr. Cooper. Remember Hanging with Mr. Cooper? I do. That's the only one I can remember because it's the only one that's kind of left somewhat of a mark in the day, you know, I only nowadays. remember that being on in the morning, though. In, like, I guess reruns. That was probably by syndication yeah. or something. Yeah. That, like, that's how I watched Saved by the Bell was just in those, like... Well, Saved by the Bell was always on in the that's morning. That's right, it was. Saved by the Bell was, was not developed to be in primetime. It was developed to air after cartoons i remember watching it but like every weekday morning like like while i was eating breakfast waiting for school or getting ready for school and they played like good morning miss bliss saved by the bell and then the college years and i never once questioned like why this was happening (laughs) like how did they how did they go from middle school to high school to college and like in an hour and a half span. It's like a, it's like a Mike Figgis film or something. Not not quite. No, no, he's not the good reference. Like it's just a weird like time jump all around. See yeah. what I mean? Like not Quentin Tarantino. I'm trying to think who else would do like a film. Oh no, it's like um, uh, it's right on the tip of my tongue. I do like movies. I am I do work in film. What's his <laughs> name? Hold on. I don't know who you're going for, so I minimal, can't help. Minimal editing once I get this name. <laughs> Richard Linkletter. It's ah, like Boyhood yes. or something. Yes. <laughs> it's like because they're just like jumping all through the their the Saved by the Bell timeline universe. The shared universe. Anyway. Um, but they didn't play Saved by the Bell the new class at all? Maybe. We've conflated every now and then, maybe. I know we gotta wrap up in a minute, but I don't know if we want to get into this, but <laughs> You and me have conflated Saved by the Bell, the new class episodes, with original Saved by the Bell. I've done it more yeah. than you, but there's been times where we talk about Saved by the Bell episodes, and you're like, <laughs> remember then Zach does this and does that, and then we look into that episode, we're like, that was new class. But that's so funny. That, I think like, they did mix those in there as well. Yeah, but it's just kind of funny that the new class cast was so forgettable that in our brains, we just replaced them with the real, with the original cast. <laughs> For the, few, for the few memorable storylines. I remember being really, really young and we, my family was going on a vacation to Hawaii and that's when they were having the the big, um, the wedding in Las Vegas special. Okay. And we had like a fr- like a family friend recorded on VHS for us so that I would have it when I got home. <laughs> nice. Because <laughs> I couldn't miss wedding in Las Vegas. That's great. Well, if you have any Saved by the Bell memories, please give us a call <laughs> at 402-95-SADIE. Uh, you can email us at sadiehawkinspod at gmail.com and check out our Instagram and Twitter, which are both sadiehawkinspod. So we'll catch you at the end of the 17 magazine. We still don't have outros. We don't. Oh, but what? we'll see you next week. Oh, on Christmas, on Christmas Day for the fourth pot of Christmas, the fourth pot of Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> we just wasted 94 minutes of your life. <laughs> <laughs>